Today we're going to be baptizing, but it, it brings us to this, this idea today. We, we said last week we're starting a new series. Um, most of the time I end a series at Easter. Today we're starting, uh, last week we started a new series at Easter. And the, the message is called From Exodus to Easter. And the idea is, I believe the book of Exodus has a lot to teach us about our life in Christ. Um, I believe the book of Exodus has a lot to teach us uh, about Easter. And so, so we're, gonna, we're kind of following along with the book of Exodus and also with the Easter story. And so in the book of Exodus, you, last week we talked about the Passover. And you guys remember I had the big doorpost up here and they, we painted the blood on the doorpost. And that represented the, the Passover lamb and, and how that freed the people from judgment. And so we talked about how Jesus died on the cross and he was our Passover lamb. And because he died on the cross, because his blood was shed, then we are free from judgment as well, right? Well, then the next thing that happens, and this is what we're going to get into, is, is what, what we know is the Red Sea crossing. And, and one of the things we know about the Old Testament and the Bible in general is water is very significant in the Bible. Like, if you look at water from the very beginning to the very end, water is included throughout the scriptures. Uh, in, the, in the book of Genesis, the Bible says that, that before the earth was formed, before God made uh, plants and animals, that there was water over the earth, that water covered the earth. The Bible said that the Spirit of God hovered over the water. And so it was out of that water that new life came. It, it, was, um, it was water that flooded the earth when Noah uh, was on the earth, and he was the only righteous person, he and his family, and God was going to flood the earth and, and, and get rid of all of sin and all the, the sinful people. And so what did he do? He flooded the world with Water. So water has played a significant role in the Bible. And so today we're going to come to the story of the Red Sea. So if you would, we're going to go to Exodus chapter 14. So last week was Exodus 12. This week is Exodus 14. And so the, the Israelites, there's the Passover has happened. Uh, last week we talked about how the, the firstborn of every household in Egypt has died. And Pharaoh finally got fed up with Israel and sent them away. He said, get out of here, leave. And, and so then they did it. And you know how it is, you guys know people like this, that they'll tell you to do something, and then whenever you do it, then they get mad that you did it. You, y'all know anybody? No men want to raise their hands, but we all know. So the Bible says this, when verse 5 of Exodus 14, when the word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done? Letting all those Israelite slaves get away, they asked. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops, and he took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots, along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, with its commander, each with its commander. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so that he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. I kind of like that. They're all walking out like this, and Egypt's mad. So the Bible says that Egypt is coming after them. Egypt's coming after them. So fast forward to verse 13. We're going to skip down to verse 13. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Verse 16. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. Now, verse 18 is important to me. So if you're underlining or highlighting in your Bible today, uh, you're going to want to tap on this one and highlight. When the, when the, 
uh, when my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I'm the Lord. Skipping down to verse 21, it says, Then Moses raised his hand over the sea. The Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted the wheels and made the chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, get away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. When all, Israelites had, when all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, Raise your hand over the sea again, then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the waters rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. The waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh. All the Egyptians who had chased Israel into the sea, not a single one survived. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground as the water stood up like walls on both sides. That's how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. A couple of things I want to point out before we jump into the rest of the word and kind of unpack this a little bit. I want you to notice the severity of punishment. Notice the severity of punishment against Egypt here, right? So, so not only does water rush in on the Egyptians, but the Bible says that the, that the Israelites looked down and they saw the bodies of the Egyptians washing up on shore. Now that's going to come into play in a few minutes. It's important for you to understand that it wasn't just a wall of water that separated Israel from Egypt. It was a wall of water that wiped out Egypt from Israel. So we need to understand that today. Because water is significant and this pool is significant. And we're going to get into why in just a second. As a matter of fact, in Jewish culture, this was significant. We think that baptism is Christian. And guess what? It's not. We took it from the Jews right? Baptism was a Jewish thing that happened. As a matter of fact, there's a couple of reasons why baptism happened in, the, in Jewish culture. One, one thing is called the, the mikveh. The mikveh, and it's a, it's a pool that you can get down into, and they would use that for any significant moment in life. So for example, let's say you're getting married. Before you get married, you would go down and you would dip in the water. You would immerse yourself in the water. And then your future spouse would go and immerse themselves into the water. In other words, it was kind of like signifying my old single life is being buried under the water. And a new married committed person is coming out. So it was this changeover that would happen before a significant event. If a young Jewish man was going was to start studying Torah and, and he was going to go into the priesthood or he was going to go in to, to become a rabbi, one of the things he would do is he would dip down into the mikveh. He would immerse his body in and he would come out basically saying, this old lifestyle that I had is gone and a new life is coming out. This new man that is going to study Torah, this new man that is going to embark on this new challenge, I'm embarking on this purpose and this destiny for my life and it all starts in the water. 
And, and then there was another reason that they would, that they would dip down. And, and they called this one something different. It was called teliva, and it means to convert. So anytime a Gentile, a non-Jew, wanted to become a Jew, they would ask them to do the same thing. They would dip down. In other words, I'm leaving my old Gentile life in the water, and when I come out, I come out Jewish. It's a very interesting concept to see that this happened over and over. And then we see in the New Testament, you get to a guy named John the Baptist who was a Jew. And John the Baptist took both of those thoughts and expanded on them. And he said, the water isn't just for setting off into a new adventure, into a new purpose. The water isn't just for converting from Gentile to Jew. The water is also a place of repentance. And we say this every Sunday, that repentance is not a bad word. It's a word we like to use a lot because repentance means I'm going one way. I change my mind on the way I'm going and I'm going to go God's way instead, right? And so we talk about repentance. You can repent of sin. You can repent of of actions. You can repent of purpose. There's a lot of things you can repent of to change your mind about something and now pursue what God has. And John the Baptist said, when we dip in the water, it is repentance that we are changing. The old man is going down a new man is coming out. And so that's where we get this, this idea of baptism. As a matter of fact, Jesus had a lot to say about baptism as well. You know, we, we talk about Christ. Here, here's one of the things the Bible says. Number one, Jesus was baptized himself. In Matthew 3, 13 and 15, it says this. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. So Jesus got baptized. Jesus and his disciples performed baptisms. So not only did he get baptized, he baptized other people. The Bible says in John chapter 3 verse 22... Then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went to the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time there with them, baptizing people. Verse, uh, in the next chapter, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it says, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. In other words, Jesus didn't do all the baptizing. Sometimes the disciples did the baptizing. But I want you to see the significance that baptism is important. And, and what happens, hey, will you give me my water right there, babe? What happens a lot of times in church is you've got some, uh, some denominations, some church factions that are going to say baptism is uber important. If you don't get baptized, you go to hell. And then you've got some that take baptism. And baptism is, it's just something you do if you want to, but you don't really have to. And it becomes kind of a a side issue, and it loses its value. And what we have to do as a church family, as Christians, is we have to learn to find the middle. You know, the extremes on either side of anything are usually going to get you in trouble. You want to stay in the middle and what's biblical. And and so, so the Bible says that Jesus was baptized. Jesus did baptisms. And then in verse uh, Matthew 28... Uh, verses 18 through 20, he taught baptism. It says, Jesus came and told the disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, doing what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So can we establish today that baptism is very important, right? Baptism is very important. 
Now, there's some arguments to be had on, on like I said, both sides of the aisle on this one. Some people are going to say, well, the, the, the thief on the cross. The Bible says that Jesus was hanging on the cross and he had a thief on either side of him. And, and one thief believed and one thief didn't. And Jesus looked at the thief that believed and he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And they say that guy never you know, joined a church. He never you know, couldn't get out his Bible and read it. He, he never was baptized and, and he, he didn't do any, he never took communion. But he was right there with Christ. Some people are going to talk about, well, what if I'm on an airplane and I, I give my heart to Christ and then, and then the airplane crashes and I never had time to be baptized. And, and so those arguments, in, in my opinion, are very sound and they're very good. But if you hang out there too long, again, you devalue baptism. You devalue it. And so what we want to do today is we want to bring value back to baptism. Why are we baptizing and and as a matter of fact, not only do I want to bring value back to it, there's a couple of thoughts I want to kind of dig into, even going back to some of that Old Testament stuff that we talked about earlier, some of the old Jewish stuff we talked about earlier, and see how we can apply that to our baptism. So the first thing I want to talk about today is what does baptism look like today? What does it look like today? And I've got three things that I feel like baptism looks like today. Three things, three reasons that we need to be baptized today, and then we're going to be close to closing it out, and then we've got a baptism. As a matter of fact, um, Peyton's going to be baptized today. She's, uh, we, we had a couple other people that were going to get baptized and couldn't do it today because of family issues or whatever, but, um, so we'll have another baptism later on in the summer. But, but today, the first reason that you're going to get baptized is baptism is a commitment. Baptism is a commitment. In Exodus chapter 14, back in the story that we read earlier, the last verse of that passage was verse 31. And here's what we read. It said, When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in Moses. So I want you to notice something. When they saw the Red Sea, and the Red Sea represents baptism, right? Because why? You go into the water... You go into the water one way, you come out something different. They went into the water as slaves, came out as free people. And, and so we recognize the fact that, that water baptism and the Red Sea crossing, they, they converge. They, they, um, the, the Red Sea is a physical representation of something spiritual that happens in the New Testament. And, and so one of the things I noticed is they noticed that it was through that baptism in the Red Sea that they put their faith in God and in Moses. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10... Paul alludes to that same verse. And here's what Paul says. He says in in verses 1 and 2, I I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and they all walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. In Colossians chapter 2, Paul continues. Here's what he says in verse 12. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. So we talked about Jesus. Um, The Easter story is Jesus is killed on the cross and he's buried. And three days later, he comes back out of the grave. And and, and so we we call that Easter. That's Resurrection Sunday. Paul says that when you and I are baptized, when we go into the water, we are buried with Christ. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted or had faith in the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. In other words, when I get baptized, it is a commitment between me and God. It is that moment that I'm committing myself to Christ. 
in a public way. Now look, can I commit myself to Christ in a private way? Absolutely you can. Absolutely you can. One of the things I like to say about baptism is baptism is similar to a wedding, right? It's similar to a wedding. Not a marriage. There's a difference between wedding and marriage. We all know that. The wedding is a, is a day that happens, and then a marriage is a lifetime of living it out. But the day that happens, the ceremony that happens, is a public profession. It was that day that I stood up with my wife, Perry, and we made a public profession. We made a commitment in front of everybody that we were going to love each other for the rest of our lives. It was on that day I looked out in the crowd at all those guys, and I said, you can't have her. She's all mine now, right? And so it's that commitment that we make in front of everyone. Baptism is a commitment that we make to Christ. That when we're baptized, we say, God, today, not only am I aligning myself with you, but I'm committing myself to you. I'm putting my faith and my trust in you. And I think it's interesting when we talk about faith and trust that, you know, whenever you have a a, a person take you and hold you underwater, you have to have faith and trust that they're going to pick you back up. Amen. Now, my dad today, Pastor Mike, is going to be doing the baptism. He's going to be the one in the pool today. And it would not be abnormal for him to lose someone under the water. He's done it once before, right? And we don't have to go into that story, but there was a time when he dropped someone down there. And so, and so you got to trust. Now, he's, he's older and more fit now, but, but so I trust. I, I trust he's going to do a, I'm pretty sure he's going to do a good job. I think he will. But whenever, listen, whenever, whenever someone is baptized... That person that goes under the water has to trust. There's, to me, there's one of the things that I, the areas that I get scared, and, and I talk about this with my, my son Colt. Um, my son Colt, sometimes, they, we, when he was little, he was afraid of heights. And one of the things we realized is that he had all this bravery and fear at the same time. And so he was cool. He, he wanted to climb ladders. And so we'd set up these big ladders in the yard, and, and Colt would climb, and he'd look at me, he'd say, Look, Dad. I'm on the third rung, you know, I'm like, he's up there just shaking on the third level. And then one day he got higher and higher and higher. And after a while, he's like standing up on the top where it says, do not stand. And Colt's like, look at me, dad. As long as Colt was in control, he was fine. But the same kid that would climb to the top of the ladder, if you picked him up above your head, would start grabbing you like a cat you're about to throw into a pool, right? He's clawing you and grabbing hold. Why? Because at that point, he's not in control. You're in control of him. Whenever I dunk someone under the water, they are no longer in control. I'm in control whether or not they come up or not, right? Theoretically. Theoretically, it's not that deep. Whenever we're baptized, we're giving God all control. When we're baptized, it's the same thing because I think one of our biggest fears in life is being out of control. I want to maintain control of my life. And whenever I'm baptized, I have to give control to someone else. When the, when the Israelites passed through the Red Sea, they had to give control to God. They had to trust that God was going to protect them from the Egyptians behind them and from the water on either side. And they had to give control. And so the Bible says they trusted in the Lord. The second thing that the baptism is, and this is where I kind of want to hone in a little bit today, is it's a cleansing and a closing. It's a cleansing and a closing. Exodus chapter 14, going back to our passage, 17 and 18 says, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will charge in after the Israelites. 
My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. So Israel leaves. And what does Egypt do? Egypt follows. Israel leaves, Egypt follows. Have you ever had one of those moments in life? Maybe, maybe you had it last Sunday. Maybe it was in church one time. And you dedicated your heart to Christ. You said, God, I want to serve you forever. I want to live for you. I want you to cleanse me of my sins. And, 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 and I want to repent of all my sins. And, and then the next thing that happens is you feel like all of that past that you wanted to leave behind is chasing you down. Have you ever had those moments in life where you just feel like you keep failing over and over and over to the same sin? Right? It's that same thing from your past that keeps getting drugged back up. And yeah, you'll do good for a week or two weeks. You'll do good for a year. And then all of a sudden, that same old Egypt starts creeping back into your life. Can I tell you something? The devil doesn't want you to serve God. The devil doesn't want you to be holy. The devil doesn't want you to be set apart. The devil doesn't want you to repent. The devil doesn't want you to live for Christ. What does the devil want? The devil wants to constantly draw you back to Egypt. Egypt is always pulling on us. And so I love the idea here that that they pass through the water. Remember I told you earlier, what did I say to remember? I said, remember those bodies floating on the shore. Because whenever they passed through the waters and Egypt tried to chase them down, what did God do? God cleansed Israel and closed the door. He closed the water on the past. And you know what some of us need today? Some of us need a cleansing, yes, but we need God to close the door on our past. There's some things in our past, there's some bodies in our past that we need to see floating on the water, never to return. And I don't know about you, but, but I would always rather live free than lived hampered by Egypt. To always be looking over my shoulder at Egypt chasing me. And so in Romans chapter 6, this is a long passage, and I promise I'll, I won't take long to read I'll try to get through it quickly. But it's one of those, if you've, if you've ever preached before, if you've ever shared a thought before, like you think, I'm going to try to cut down for time because I was told that I went way too long last week and I told too many dumb stories, and so I'm trying to be good today and not go too long. But man, this is really good stuff, and it's the Bible. So how do you go wrong with that? Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that, we, that when we were joined with Christ in G, joined Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, just as Christ was buried from the dead, uh, was raised from the dead by the glorious power of uh, the Father, so that we may now live new lives. Verse five: Since we have been united with Him in His death, we will also be raised to life as He was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ, so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Notice how Paul just keeps repeating, repeating, repeating. He keeps going over and over and over again the idea that we died and have new life. We died and had new life. And we died symbolically in the tub. In the water, we died, we were buried, and we were raised to life 
brand new. Verse 9 says this, We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. I wanted to hone in on this because I feel like it's so important. That baptism is a physical act with a spiritual meaning. When I'm baptized, my old life, my old sinful past is buried in the water. There were some times back many, many years ago um, in India where they would, people were being converted to Christianity. They were getting saved and and um, at the time there was a big drought and the Indians couldn't baptize. They didn't have places where they could baptize. And so what they would do is they would dig shallow graves and they would lay the new Christian in the grave. He would lay down in the grave and they would cover him with a sheet like they were burying a dead person. And they would take what little bit of water they had and just pour it over his body to symbolize the fact that I'm dying to my old life. And whenever he stood up, he stood up a brand new man. And there are many of us today that have been through, maybe you've been through baptism, but you didn't recognize the spiritual aspect of it. You baptized because you saw your friends get baptized, or we got baptized because it was a popular thing to do, or we got baptized because someone told us that's how you join the church. But in reality, the reason I get baptized is because there's an old part of me that's got to die. And I want to show everybody that that old part of me is dying and a new person is coming up. And it creates accountability for us. It, it creates a, 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 a jumping off point for us. That, hey, from this point forward, I'm not looking back. I'm not looking back. Does that mean you never sin again? No, absolutely not. Of course, we're all going to be tempted. The Bible says we're always tempted. But, but it's, a, it's a matter of I'm not a slave to that anymore. I'm a new person from this point forward. And so I love that, that the power of death and sin are swallowed up in the water, just like Pharaoh was. The last thing that baptism is, is baptism is commissioning. Now, if you're of the persuasion that you only get baptized once and you never get baptized again, it's totally fine with me. You're not going to hurt my feelings. I was kind of under the persuasion. I'm kind of an in-between guy. Like, like I say, I say if, you, if you get baptized, but you know, some stuff happens, or maybe you're one of these people that gets baptized. We had a lady in our church one time. She's since passed away. She was in her, she was in her 80s, and she said, um, she said, I got baptized as a little kid, and I had no idea what I was doing. I just got baptized because all the other kids were doing it, and so I jumped in the water too. She said, but now that I'm older, now that I'm wiser, now that I've lived a few years, I want to get baptized because I understand the commitment that it is to Christ. I understand. Now, look, she had been serving God. She didn't have a bad past to, to bury in the water. She had been serving us. She was a great Christian lady in our church. But she understood the concept as she got older and wanted to get baptized again. So I'm totally fine with that. But then this new thing just popped up in my study. And, and it's this idea that baptism is a commissioning. 
So yes, baptism is a commitment. And yes, baptism is a, is a cleansing or a closing of the door of my past. But there's also a place where baptism is a commissioning into a new era of my life. And so if that's you today, you can by all means be baptized if you feel the Spirit is moving you for this particular thing. Because here's what I noticed. I noticed this, that Jesus got baptized, but why did Jesus get baptized? He wasn't sinful. He didn't have to repent. He didn't have a bad past. He didn't have to make a commitment to God. He was God. What's he going to do? I commit to myself? No. He, he didn't have to do any of those things. So there had to be a reason that Jesus got baptized. And it brings me back to the Old Testament. It brings me back to the old Jewish culture that said, before I get married, before I embark on this journey, I'm going to get baptized. And it hit me. I wonder if that's what Jesus got baptized for. Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22 says this. One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And the voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. Now some early manuscripts actually read, today I have become your father. In other words, it was a point in time that God was singling out that today something significant is happening in the water. Today something is transitioning in the water. It was at this point that Jesus goes from being the son of Joseph to the son of God. It was at this point that he goes from being the son of Mary to the son of man. And Jesus has this transition. We don't know of any miracles. We don't know of any um, messages preached. We don't know of anything special done by Christ before this point. But it's after this point, the Bible says in Luke 4, uh, verses 1 and 2, it says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all the time and became very hungry. Verse 14 says, Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in the synagogues and was praised by everyone. So what happened? A transition happened. A commissioning happened in the water. Jesus gets up and immediately the Bible says he's being led by the Spirit and being empowered by the Spirit. And he begins to preach. He begins to do miracles. He begins to change people's lives. Now, did he have to have that? No, I don't think he had to have that. Because he's Jesus. He can do what he wants. But the fact is he was obedient to it. And that's where we stand today. As a matter of fact, we, we say this every time. If you want to be baptized today, I know Peyton's getting baptized. And, and if anybody else wants to be baptized today, we've got stuff for you. We've got clothes. We've got towels. Um, one's got some little baby slobber on it. We've got everything you need if you want to be baptized today. And you don't have to wait. I mean, a lot of times we want to wait until family can be there and people can be there. But you don't have to wait for anything. You don't have to. You can. But I want to make it available to you today because you know what? The, the Spirit of God might be moving on your heart today. He, he might be saying, Gabriel, there's some stuff in your life that you need to close the door on. There's a commitment that you need to make. Or He may be speaking to you that, hey, you're in a, a time of transition. You're in a place of transition. 
from one mode to another, that I've got a calling and a purpose and a destiny for you. I've got something else I need you to step into. And today we're going to leave all the old stuff behind and we're going to pick up something new. And so I don't know if that's you today. I don't know who wants to be baptized today outside of Peyton. And, and, and if she's the only one, then it's totally worth it today. Totally worth it for me. But I want you to think about that as we, as we end the message today. I want to end with one last passage of scripture, four verses. The book of Acts tells a cool story about a guy named Philip. And I really like Philip's story. Philip goes and preaches, and as he's preaching, a ton of people get saved. And as, as we know from the last few weeks, we've read this passage of Scripture a few times in Acts 2, that, that Peter says the, the whole act of salvation, being born again, it's, takes on a, a variety of things. He says you've got to know, you've got to believe, you've got to repent, you've got to be baptized and filled with the Spirit. And so Philip gets the crowd to this place of belief and repentance. And then, and then the church sends in uh, Peter and James to come in and kind of finish the job. And it would seem like Philip just gets pushed out, right? But Philip doesn't take it that way, and Philip leaves. And, and as he's walking down the road, he sees this Ethiopian in a chariot, and this Ethiopian's coming by, and, and Philip recognizes that the Ethiopian is reading the Old Testament. He's reading the book of Isaiah. And, and so Philip says, hey, what are you reading? And he says, I'm reading this passage in Isaiah, but I don't understand it. I don't know who he's talking about. He says, is, is the writer talking about himself, or is he talking about someone else? And, and the passage he was reading was a prophecy about Jesus, and so Philip says, I know exactly who he's talking about. I just hung out with this guy for the last three years. Let me talk to you about him. So the Bible says they rode together and they began to talk and, and Philip explained everything. So we'll pick it up in verse 34 of Acts chapter 8. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, what was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop and they went down to the water and Philip baptized him. I think it's so cool that the, the eunuch just all of a sudden, nobody preached baptism. Nobody's setting it up for him. They didn't say, hey, on this date, there's going to be a water baptism known at this church. He just sees water on the side of the road. Who knows how much water it was? Maybe they saw a lake or a, or a river. Maybe it was a creek or a puddle. Who knows? But he said he was so excited he knew God was doing something in his life. He said, I want to be baptized. I want to make a commitment. I need to make a cleansing. I need to close the door on some stuff. And this is a new mission for me. This is a new life for me. He said, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized right now? And Philip said, let's do it, man. So the Bible says, if you keep going, I mean, it says that they got down and Philip baptized him. Philip dunked him in the water, and his life was transformed. Once you close your eyes with me this morning, we're going to pray, and then, then we're going to have the, my dad's going to come up, and we're going to get ready to baptize. Lord God, I love you, and I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to share your word. I thank you for baptism. I thank you for the Red Sea that represents water baptism. That God, we pass through the sea. Yes, we've, we've been bought by the blood. We've, we, we've had the blood on the doorpost. We've been set free from Egypt. But God, Egypt keeps coming after us. That old life 
still pursues me. And God, today I want to close the door on that old life. I want to close the door on that old life. And so God, I thank you for baptism. That the water's not magic. I thank you, Father God, that this is just tap water from, from trustful. But I thank you, Father God, that when we put ourselves in it, that something changes on the inside. Something happens on the inside of me. It's not about my physical man being clean. It's about my spiritual man being clean. God, it's about closing the door on my past. It's about stepping foot into a new mission that you've called me into. That God, whatever person goes down in that water is not the same as the one that comes out of it. And so we thank you for that today. And God, I just pray for anybody in this room. And folks, you can pray for yourself right now. But God, I just pray for anybody in this room. God, if any of us today need that, we need that transformation, we need that cleansing, we need that closure in our life. If any of us have that place where you're calling us to a new level, to a new purpose, then God, today I just pray that you would speak to our hearts and help us. Help us to repent, God. Help us to change. Help us not to stay the same. God, help us to believe and trust in you. Just like the the Israelites put their trust in God and in Moses. God, today we put our trust in Jesus Christ. We put our trust in you. That if we lay down our life, you're going to pick us back up. So we love you and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name.